everybody. This is Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're the Fried Squirms. We're here with another episode of us getting stoned and talking about horror movies. This week will be hostile. But before we get there, to the movie that is, we got to get to that getting stoned part. Got our green hits going. Danny, what, what was this again you told me? Yeah, no worries. So I went by one of our favorite dispensaries here in town. No stranger, of course, but I went by Flower, picked up some lemon lava. And with this strain, this is a sativa dominant hybrid. For those who are curious, it's a 60% to 40% split. This is a cross of the delicious lemon heads and lava cake strains. It is named, of course, because of its delicious flavor. And uh, this says it's a perfect bud for any sativa lover. So with that being said, the flavors on this, as noted already, you'll have some citrus, fruity, lemon, sour and sweet flavors, along with a lot of those same aromas, a little bit of grape, maybe some sour and earthy aromas as well. The THC on this one over at Flower is clocking in right at 26%. And yeah, you should feel euphoric, happy, calm, all that good stuff. So I've enjoyed it. I've had it a few times this weekend. Hell yeah. I didn't go fancy this week. I also went to Flower, but I was just like, Fuck it. Like, I know I'm bringing Danny a strain, but also it's what I'm going to be smoking on after work for the rest of the week. And it felt like a good week to have one of my favorite standbys. So you just got some Montana Silver Tip. I've brought it on the show, obviously, many times, seeing as it's possibly still my favorite strain. Super Silver Haze crossed with GDP. And just deliciousness, hybrid... I mean, I've talked about it so many times, I don't know what the fuck to say. Like, y'all, if you listen to the show, you know I love me some fucking Montana yeah, Silver well, Tip. We, so. we do like this strain a lot. Kind of berry-y, kind of nice and more floral, sweetie. Yeah, I agree with all that. And like I said, hybrid, right down the line. It's going to keep you up, it's going to mellow you out, it's going to do everything except for jerk you off. I can still feel it in my plums. Yeah, you should be able to. It's. I mean, it's going to tickle the plums a little bit, but so. it just ain't going to stroke the shaft for you. That's all right. Anyway, that's the weed. We're already smoking. Let's see. As we've been warning, you're going to be out of the studio for a few weeks coming up. Is this the last one before? Yeah, this is the last episode before I take my trip. And you're right. We'll be gone for two weeks, but we'll come back strong with a holiday episode, which should be a lot of fun. We actually know what it's going to be this time, but you guys have to wait till the end of the episode, and then I'll tell you. Exactly. It'll be a surprise. No spoilers. No, no, no. Not yet. But we, we actually have it planned. I don't know if it's going to be any good. That's beside the point. It's going to be fun. <laughs> but, and we also, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Right? We, we're growing up. But yeah, when you guys don't see a new episode for a couple weeks, like, that was planned. That's not like... One yes. of died or something. <laughs> no, I hope not. But, you know, just in case you've been warned. So, like, in the meantime, go check out the other shows on the Earfirm Podcast yeah. Network. Go listen to me talk about nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. Precisely. There's or a lot of really good content. Other nerdy shit on Noob Island or answering nerdy questions on Word Balloons or, like, listening to Malark talk about old school war strategies Dude. versus the war gaming of today, like Warhammer 40K and Belagarth really over cool. on the art of war gaming. I've actually listened to a few of those episodes now. He's a really fucking intelligent guy. That's what I'm saying. He's a really smart guy. Anyway, all that being said, 
actually the other business at hand is like go check out our patreon patreon.com slash fried squirms even at the lowest level you're getting episodes a week early later on down the line you can do other shit like talk to us on discord and like as we put up bonus episodes you'll get those that sort of shit so yeah we love recommendations as well so don't be afraid to hit us up mm-hmm. patreon.com slash fried squirms go check it out now We'll get back to Hostel, and we'll get into the guts and bolts of Hostel. <laughs> Eli Roth's Hostel. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Hostel. Who and what went in the making of this? Oh, yeah. I guess we start with spoiler-free setup, huh? Like, a couple Americans go on vacation to Eastern Europe trying to get laid meet up with another dude who shares the same intentions and end up uh, staying at some pretty sketchy hostels and things go bad. And very true. <laughs> yeah, and of course we do like to talk about the cast and crew of the films from week to week. And this week is a gentleman we've actually talked about before. We've talked about Eli Roth back on episode 155 when we reviewed Green Inferno. You know, revisiting that film was actually a lot of fun, man. But some other films to note from Mr. Roth is his films Cabin Fever. He also helped with the fake trailer on Grindhouse for his trailer of Thanksgiving. He's also responsible for directing Hostel Part 2, the film Knock Knock, the films Death Wish, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, and the film, the upcoming film, I believe, Borderlands. Mm, mm-hmm. All right. Now, Adaptation of the video game. Yeah, which is really cool. It's going to be interesting. So he's also the writer on this film. A few things of note from his writing, along with the films I've already mentioned, are the films Aftershock, the film The Man with Iron Fists. He's also helped on The Cabin Fever from 2016 and the film Lake Mead. All right, our cinematographer on this is Milan Chidema. He's helped on such things as Grindhouse, Thanksgiving. He's also helped on Hostel Part 2. He's helped on the films Clown Wise, Devil, and After the Harvest Part 2. Now, we've got a couple of big names. We've actually got editor George Fulsey Jr. This gentleman, like I said, has got some really cool credits. When you go back, he helped on a film called Schlock. This is back in 73. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to say maybe John Landis' first film, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah, pretty gnarly. I was like, that's really interesting. Some people might be familiar with the film The Kentucky Fried Movie from 1977. He also helped on National Lampoon's Animal House from 78. Also helped on The Blues Brothers, 1980. He was the editor on Michael Jackson's Thriller. (laughs) Okay, that's wild. Also on Coming to America. Oh, shit. The film Dirty Work, which is great. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Cheaper by the Dozen. He helped on The Pink Panther from 2006, Hustle Part 2, Hot Tub Time Machine. He's got a couple of upcoming films he's actually helped on, too. Like a few of note are Death Link, Wolf Mountain, and Just Swipe. All right, the music, and this was composed by Nathan Barr. This gentleman's got some really cool stuff of credit, too. Now, along with composing music, he plays a lot of the music as well because he does a lot of arrangements. Oh, okay. So a few films of note. He helped on From Dusk Till Dawn Part 3, The Hangman's Daughter. He's also known for such things as Cabin Fever. He helped on Club Dread. Now, 
I was looking through his filmography. He apparently worked with those guys from um, why they call themselves Broken Lizard. Yeah, Broken Lizard. Because you're going to notice a couple other films he's helped okay. on. All right, he helped on 2005's 2001 Maniacs. He helped compose the music for the Dukes of Hazard from 2005. He helped on Beer Fest. Okay. All yep. right. He also helped on the segment Thanksgiving for Grindhouse, I just mentioned earlier as well. A Hostel Part Two, Lost Boys, The Tribe. A film I've probably brought up a few times now, but The Slammin' Salmon. Mm, mm-hmm. Dude, that one really flew under the radar. It's fucking funny, dude. It's funny. He did a bunch of episodes for True Blood, the webisodes, uh, back in 2010. He did six episodes for them. Helped on 79 episodes of True Blood, the series, as Jesus. well. So I'm almost certain he helped compose the music for it. Hemlock Grove as well. Okay. He also helped on, uh, let's see here, just more recently, The Americans, The House with a Clock in Its Wall. He also helped on Carnival Row from 2019, uh, Hollywood from 2020, Halston from 2021, which is really cool. Yeah, he's also helped on Borderland, so go figure. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Special effects on this were K&B Effects Group. They help with the special effects. Precinct 13 Entertainment and Pacific Title and Art Studio helped with the visual effects. This was produced by Chris Briggs, Mike Fleiss, and Eli Roth. The production companies were Next Entertainment, Raw Nerve, International Production Company, and Hostel LLC. The distributors were Lion Gates Films for the 2006 United States theatrical release, and Screen Gems helped with the 2005 non-United States theatrical releases. It had a couple of different release dates. One was uh, September 17, 2005 in Canada at the Toronto International Film Festival and January 6, 2006 here in the States. All right, had a, an estimated budget of about $4.8 million. Did you look at any numbers? Oh, shit. I just did. Did you see the number? It did pretty fucking well for itself, didn't it? Yeah. Like, even if you add in all the advertisement, all that nonsense, uh, $82 million worldwide for the return, not too shabby. And yeah, especially not on uh, hard R. Yeah. Versus, what did you say, 4.2? 4.8. So okay. maybe even 5. Round yeah. it up. But well, hard R, we need to specify what we mean by that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 not that other hard R. <laughs> we mean ratings, we mean ratings specifically. <laughs> All right, but we do have a tagline. There are several, but the one for this specifically is, welcome to your worst nightmare. Okay. I mean, perhaps, you know, we'll see. <laughs> All right, no, we do have a really cool cast. I'm going to lead off with an actor we've actually talked about before briefly because he makes a cameo in a film we reviewed. That film was Joyride back on episode 97. This actor is Jay Hernandez, who plays Paxton Rodriguez in the film. Now, a few films of note from him, like I said, because uh, he does got some cool films of note. I probably usually think first of Crazy Beautiful. Yeah, uh, interestingly enough, but you're right. I was looking up his show earlier. He was on 29 episodes as Antonio Lopez for a show called Hang Time, where Dick Buckkiss was a coach of like a high school basketball team. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's actually got an interesting cast. But a few other things of note. Some people might know uh, Jay for his role as Brian Chavez in Friday Night Lights from 2004. He also was in Carlito's Way, Rise to Power. He was in World Trade Center. He was also, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Uh, he reprises his role in Hostel Part 2. He was also in Lakeview Terrace. Well, he's in Suicide Squad, not to be confused yeah, with The Suicide yeah, Squad that's that just came out. 
So his portrayal of Diablo in that movie is maybe the only one of like the emotional beats that hit because that's not a good movie. Okay. Like the best thing to come out of that movie is Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. But the only thing like emotional to hit in that movie is probably his character storyline. That's so. it. That's really cool. Yeah, so more recently he voiced Bonnie's dad in Toy Story Part 4 and 65 episodes of Magnum P.I.'s Thomas Magnum. Right. What? How the fuck is he Magnum? That's good on him, dude. Yeah. Is he rocking the stash? I know. Is he, like, reincarnated? Is he going to start doing all those Jesse Stone movies? <laughs> I'm only kidding. All right, we have uh, Derek Richardson. He plays the role of Josh Brooks, another one of those guys. Got some interesting things of note. Now, he played Harry Dunn. Do you know who Harry Dunn is? I'll be more specific. He was Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber-er. Oh, Harry met Lloyd shit. Okay. back in 2003. That movie, I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. It's it's one of those funny movies. When I say funny, it's like stupid funny. Mm. It's a stupid mm-hmm. fucking movie, but it's funny. I know that I actually saw it at least once, but I don't really remember it. Yeah, Sherry O'Terry's in it. Uh, Shia Boff is in it. Uh, it's got some really cool people in it. Anyhow, a uh, few other things of note from him. He was in the series Men and Trees as Patrick Batchelor from 2006 and, uh, through 2008. He was also in an episode of American Horror Story as Harry Goodman in The Smoldering Children from 2011. He was in Anger Management, a television series as Nolan for 100 episodes. It's really cool. He was also in uh, Fear the Walking Dead as Fred in the episode Six Hours from this year here in 2021. So, yeah, I still did some really cool stuff. I also looked up some things. I didn't realize this, man. He's married to Franca Potante. Mm. She is the lead actress in Run, Lola, Run. Oh, okay. Like, that is really cool. I Good on him. All right. Moving forward, we have actor Aethor Gudjansson. He plays the role of Oli Eriksson. Now, this is really his only role of note. He's more or less, I believe he helped with distribution for Walt Disney in Iceland. Okay. Yeah, and like knocked it out of the ballpark. Somehow he helped with distribution. I want to say maybe for Kevin Fever and some other films. And that's how he ran into a lot of these guys. And uh, upon meeting him, Eli Roth was like, I will include you in a film one day. Yeah. And this was the film. So, all right. We have Jennifer Lim. She plays the role of Kana. She's one of the Japanese girls at the hostel later on in the film. Mm-hmm. All right, she was in the films Rogue Trader. She was also in the film Womb and a film entitled A Monster Calls. All right, we have Barbara Nedelyakova. She plays the role of Natalia. All right, a few things of note from her. This is the big one, right? And it basically led to a smaller bits here and there. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of interesting because she, uh, she was, I mean, basically a model, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know. Makes sense. But a few films of note. She was in Shanghai Night. She played a debutante. She's uh, also reprises her role in Hostel Part 2, so a little bit of a spoiler there. She was in the films uh, Isle of Dogs. She was also in Children of Corn, Genesis, Strippers vs. Werewolves, uh, L.A. Slasher. That's not the uh, Wes Anderson Isle of Dogs. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Completely different film. Uh, yeah, so those are just a few films I've known from her. All right, we also have Yana 
Kedrabkova. She plays the role of Svetlana. One thing of note from her, she was in the film The Division, and that's from this year. All right, we have Jan Vlasic, who plays the role of the Dutch businessman. Something really interesting about him, he was in Dune, the television series, back in 2000. Oh, shit. He was also in the film. Dude, who was he? Do you know? I didn't. I mean, okay. I did look it up, but I can't remember. I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm right. curious. There's also one other guy who's in this as well, but uh, he was also in the film The Red Baron. He was also a part of Circus Bukowski, which is a television series from 2013 through 2014. All right, we have Rick Hoffman. He plays the role of the American client. Now, he's uh, a little bit later on in the film. Oh, he's Thufir Hawat? That's really cool. Okay. Okay. I, I, I dig that casting. Sorry. I just, I've been really, no, really cool. Dune heavy lately, so. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we mentioned that off air, so. Makes sense. It's kind of weird how that shit pops up, but here we are again, man. No, we have Rick Hoffman. Like I said, he plays the American client. He is a part of a uh, group of people who like to do things with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Now, this guy, when you look at a lot of his roles, a lot of television roles, like just like one-off episodes, but uh, just a few other things of note from him I just wanted to bring up. He was in Lethal Weapon Part 4 as a police officer at the port. He was in um, The Street, which is a television series back in 2000 through 2001. He was in Philly, same 2001 through 2002. I never saw any Suits, but he's one of the main roles in, in Suits. He's yeah. in a shit ton of episodes. He so. played Jerry Best in the Bernie Mac show, which is really cool. Uh, voiced a couple of characters in American Dad back in the day, which is really neat. Yeah, he was in the film Postal. Like I so said, just a lot of television series really cool. Oh, Suits is the one that Meghan Markle was on. Okay. Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Ah. Okay. See, I never watched that shit, so. Yeah, well, he apparently is uh, Dr. Swirlow in Billions, the television series, so still doing some television. Like I said, good on him as well. All right, moving forward, I have Keiko Seiko. She plays the role of Yuki, which is the friend of Kana, right? She was in Natural Born Killers, and she was also in the film The Spanish Prisoner. All right, a few other people of note. I have Lubomir Bukovi, who plays the role of Alexei, well, Alex. He was in the films A Broken Promise and Tigers in the City. I have Yana Havlikova. She plays the role of Vala. She is like um, one of the hostile people. She's the one who's like the front end clerk oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, really, only thing of note from her. We have uh, Petr Janus. He is the German surgeon in the film. He was in The Ninth Day and A Royal Affair. And last but not least, I have Miroslav Taborski. He is the friendly police officer in this film. Now, a few things of note from him. I did mention Dune earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played Count Hessemer Fenring. Oh, okay. Yeah. A few other things of note In the from new him. Dune, they, they haven't even gotten to Count Fenring yet. So. Okay, yeah, because it's broken up in two parts, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was also a uh, Fremen lieutenant in Children of Dune, the TV miniseries in 2003. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, so that's really interesting there. And they were casting a really white guy for those Fremen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was... shit. I just saw something else. This is fucking dope. He voices over the character of Holly in the Czech dubs of Red Dwarf. I fucking oh, love Red Dwarf. That's really cool. Jesse, if you're listening, this dude's fucking Holly, bro. 
Anyway. And voiceovers. But that's still cool. He was in the film The Brothers Grimm as Old Miller from 2005, which is really neat. Uh, he was in The Last Train. He's in Eurotrip? Yeah, yeah, he sure is. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, like I said, a lot of television, too, for him. Like I said, he does a lot of really cool roles. That's fucking dope. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup, and we should give you some warnings. Warnings. Hostel is arguably the actual start of mainstream torture porn. Yeah, I'm going to put air quotes around that, too. But you're right. You're absolutely right with that assessment. So... Yeah, if you're not even familiar with that term, just know that you're treading into some some murky waters. Not too heavy, but, you know, it can be. Like, this is the spoiler-free section, but I remember the trailers being pretty explicit what this movie actually is about. So, like, people are going to get fucking tortured. Yes, yes. Just know that. So, along with that... You get that, to see a <laughs> decent amount of it, I guess you could yeah. argue... Well, we talked about mm. who does the special effects, right? Yes. K and B, Howard Berger, Kurtzman, all those guys. So you know you're going to get some good practical effects, meaning gore, blood, all that stuff. Yeah. So any torture that happens is going to look good. Yes. That's the warning. Noted. <laughs> uh, also, lots of tits. Yeah. Loads of boobs. Not um, hating at all. Some uh, homophobic language. Yes. Yes, there is. I mean, there's language in general. Yeah. <laughs> we can say that. There's drug use. There's drinking. I mean, we already said they're there to get laid. There's so, some, like, there's every some, fucking sentence is including them trying to get their dick wet. children violence. Oh, okay. I can say that. Yeah. Unless we get to it. I mean, there's some body horror and stuff, too. I mean, let's go ahead and... That comes yeah. with torture, though, but... Yeah. Like, yeah. Just being more specific, I suppose. It's not body horror of, like, the Cronenberg-style no, shit no, 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 or, no, no, like... No, no. How we just watch society or something like that, but yeah, like I'll I, I get what you're getting at. I'll I'll agree, <laughs> but it's more of a side effect of the torture. Yes, it, it really is. So they go hand in hand in this equation. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just go talk about Hostel. How's that sound? I like How it. does Hostel make us squeal? How does that make you squeal? All right, Hostel. I think it's safe to say we've. Safe to assume we had both seen this before. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I actually saw this at the theater when it came out. Oh, shit, I didn't see it in theater. I saw it almost as soon as it came out on video. Honestly, like, my history with this movie is probably the last time I watched it was, like, on a CRT TV. <laughs> That's a hot minute ago. Eh? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was trying to remember if I had rewatched it before I saw number two. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I did. Oh, okay. But I think I saw it probably twice back when it first came out. Maybe three or four times because... Wait, let me see. What year was this? 2005. 2005, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I still had dial-up internet, so it was an easy way to see tits. <laughs> I, I mean, you're not lying. <laughs> Honestly, I remember not liking it that much the first time I saw it. Okay. But it was kind of a weird milestone for me because, like, I also... I understood how kind of like how on the verge of being really fucked up what I was watching was. I mean, I guaranteed I thought it was more fucked up at that time. Well, I think we all do when you put on our 2005 goggles or lenses mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, of course, because 
it wasn't as saturated, meaning like the market for yeah. these styles of films. And this one was kind of a precursor for the quote unquote torture porn genre, you know, along with Saw and some other films. So there you go. But it was kind of a milestone for me because even though I didn't like it that much, like I realized I was able to get through this shit and I know some people weren't able to like they were like holy shit i had to look away and like oh it was so fucking Dude, disgusting so and shit yeah. and i was just like oh i thought it looked fucking neat as fuck like it does like yeah it was fucked up and like pretty fucking extreme for like 17 18 year old me Dude, yeah especially because like you said the market wasn't saturated and i hadn't went like super hard into horror like i had been reading horror a lot but like watching hardcore horror was something newer to me at that yeah. time and also, like, this was one of the first movies to grow on me a little bit after the fact, once I sort of came to understand writing techniques a little bit more. Because okay. very specifically, I do remember my first time watching this movie, my biggest complaint was, like, who the fuck was I supposed to root for? Those guys were all assholes. Right. Like, exactly. I don't give a shit. And now, like, going into that movie, I kind of realized, like, well, they're assholes so that I don't give a shit because they're going to do some really fucked up things to them. Exactly. And the whole point of this movie isn't for me to care about them. It's for them to get their shit fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this isn't uh, sunshine and glitter and all that fun stuff. And, I mean, other movies have done that. It's not like Hostel's the first fucking movie no, to do that. But it was not. the first one where that stood out to me, where I was like... These guys are like intentionally unlikable, and yeah. it, that rubbed me very wrong the first time through. Now I get it exactly, man. I think that's what the fun once again of going back and watching films and giving them another chance. Because I've done that too. Like mm -hmm. there's been films where, upon first watch, I'm like, eh, I don't see the appeal, and then rewatching it, and same thing. Like you might pick up on dialogue or writing techniques or whatnot. You're like, oh, damn, <laughs> what the fuck? Mm -hmm. You know, but that's what makes it fun. And I can't tell you how many times I've actually watched it. It's not like I've seen it a bunch of times, like 20, 30 times. I've probably seen it earnestly all the way through, I'd wager, at most 10 times. But I'd say reasonably like six, seven, eight times, something like that. Like all the way through. That makes sense. You know, I've I seen it a bunch of times. I do remember, even though I had only seen it like... Max maybe five times way back in the day. Like I said, this is when it first dropped on fucking DVD and I was still watching it on a CRT. Right, right. But I at least one of those times I watched the alternate ending because I remembered yeah. that. And like I actually remembered that better than the real ending or the theatrical ending. Right. And I right. watched the theatrical cut first this week and I was like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what... The fun part about having a copy of it, too, yeah, seeing that alternate ending. Cause mm -hmm. I would imagine for you, like I said, you didn't see it at the theater, so no. that was your first kind of impression, like that ending. You know what? I kind of like the theatrical ending a little bit more. I do, too, after watching the director's cut. Yeah, I'm like, ah. It's, I understand kind of what he was trying to do, but it's like it doesn't really... It doesn't play kinda, out as well as... Yeah, it doesn't... Exactly. It, it feels kind of pedophile-ish. Yeah, creepy. yeah. I don't know, but I'm you know, I'm glad they did what they did for the theatrical cut. So anyhow, mm -hmm. that's a whole different story. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that was my history with it. You said you saw like, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Like I said, because around that time, I I've 
said this, I don't know how many fucking times now, but collecting films, getting back into watching films of this nature. Like I was looking for films that were pushing the boundary because I grew up with films, you know, that I won't say pander, but you know, play to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. But you know, 2005, when this film came out, I was like 23 going on 24, you know, so I want not to rhyme, but I wanted something more. Yeah. And this, you know, supply the goods for the American audience. And it did spark that interest because there was a stack of films that came in behind this that really started pushing the envelope. We've already talked about several of them, more so in like the French extreme end of it. Yeah. Now, it, it's been a while, but we talked about Saw tends to be the place the mainstream audience places the beginning of torture porn. Yes. If you go one step deeper... You place it at hostile. If you go any deeper than that, you realize that it's been around for a long ass time, yeah, in different forms, and the, this is just sort of when it hit the mainstream. But yeah, I still, and gained a whole new term. Like it wasn't called torture porn. No, you're before. right. You're right. I was gonna say that's leading right into what I was gonna say. Actually, was there was some journalist or some shit mm -hmm. that coined the term, and it stuck. You know, it's. It's kind of a, you know, kind of a cool word, I suppose, for a, a subgenre of film, torture porn. But it also sounds like a snuff film, like you're about to watch some snuff. Yeah. You know, and that's why I don't feel it's appropriate. Or super hardcore BDSM. Yeah, like you're going to see some fucked up shit. Well, I mean, you could argue that, but I would say when you label something with that, when I say quote extreme, with that particular label... For me as a horror fan, I'm expecting something a little bit more. You know, yeah. this is fun. This is this, this is on is, the edge. This is. It really is. It's kind of like like this joint I was smoking. It's just the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you're gonna get some good stuff. It doesn't quite tip over into the more extreme end though. <laughs> no, not necessarily. There's still quite a few gory discretion shots in this. Yeah. There are. It has some, some good moments. Like, this we, movie we is full-on torture porn if you see every time he puts the fucking drill into him. Right. Yeah. That one time, it's fucking squicky. It's mean. Right. But then cutting away and cutting back, and he's just bleeding from, like, six holes, you're like, um... A lot of it really is really good use of editing and cuts and stuff like that, you know? And that's what makes it effective. Kind of like Saw. Once we reviewed it, went back and watched it, I was like, yeah, a lot of it's just editing trick. Not necessarily tricks, but it is just editing and the cutting away and making your imagination fill in the blanks. I mean, look, to be completely honest, fucking, what's the Mandela effect or whatever, right, yeah. when you remember something that didn't... I remembered before watching it this weekend, seeing her eye get burned. Okay. That doesn't happen. No, uh-uh. I'm trying to think. I no, I can't. I can't ever remember thinking about it like that. Like her eye being burned. I remember, yeah, the yeah, snipping. Yeah. yeah, that's like, and the stuff that follows. But I can't. I can't recall a burning though. I don't think it affected me that way. There's another scene that always stands out, and it has to do with with your legs and your feet specifically mm. in the back of them. <laughs> More specifically, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, man, that shit gets me every time. <laughs> But I would have like I would have put money on you seeing at least like a second of like the skin around her eye getting burned. Yeah, I could. I mean, I understand that too because man. It's... But I also would have lost money. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. 
But it's, it's okay, man, because I, I've been a victim of it several times with films, dude. Whether it's in dialogue mm-hmm. or remembering scenes differently than the way they play out. Shit happens. It's fucking weird. Now, it's kind of funny we're having this this little torture porn discussion, though, because, <laughs> yeah. like, not ragging on these guys, but, like, right before we recorded this, I was recording one of the other Earworm shows. I was doing some New Byland. and oh, yeah. You know, we got done recording, and I was bringing up my notes for this as as the other guys were sauntering on their way out. And as I'm bringing it up, Zach's like, oh, you guys did Hostel this time? He's like, oh, I hate torture porn. And then our guest for that series of New Island, Mackenzie, Mac, he goes, yeah, he's like, I never, I never really got into it myself either. He's like, but I guess I, I did watch the first two Saw movies before. I was just like, ah, I've seen this before. And... I didn't want to be mean about it, but I couldn't help myself. I'm like, so you guys saw the three torture porn movies that aren't torture porn? Right. I mean, these are like the groundlings at best, you know, for that. We talked about it with Sauce. Sauce doesn't start till three. The first two aren't torture porn. No, no, no. Like I said, I think at best they're just those foundational. They they help set the foundation. And those other ones were like the springboards. You know, they sprung right into that shit after that. This one's closer than those first two it songs. It certainly is. Like you said, it, it's teetering on it. But it's not quite there. No, no, no. It's not even as bad as number two is. I remember more at number two than yeah, this number one. Yeah, number two is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, there's some fucking gnar shit in number two. Yeah, there is some cool shit, which, you know, we can talk about that later on. But I never did right. see number three because it bummed I, me out that Eli Roth himself didn't do it. Yeah, I never brought myself to watch him part three either. I've seen some kind of cool looking screens from it. Like, yeah, it, but it yeah. kind of has me tempted, but one day, one day I'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, we do this, we do this podcast. It's, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not trying to rag on those guys. I no, know horror is not I their know. thing, but when they brought up literally the three <laughs> torture porn movies that once you've watched them, arguably right. are not torture porn. Right. And that's where we have to step in and like, have to be a little bit of authorities on this, you know, it's just the way it is, man. Now what I, it's, it's weird. Maybe I probably had read this term before and I just didn't think about it. But when I was doing a little bit of research, checking out things here and there, I saw a genre label used that I had never, even if I had read it, I guess I'd never consciously thought of before that might be a good term a good little catch-all for some of these movies that we've had a hard time labeling in the past. Okay. Because it would cover this, it would cover, like, Devil's Rejects, which, not a horror movie in the sense it's trying to horrify you. Yeah, it's just... But you're seeing some horrific things. True. And some of the others, and it was um, sadistic horror. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, shit. Is this what we've been searching for? Sadistic. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. when you look at it that way and, and label it that, that way. Yeah, I can agree with that. So I guess maybe I do kind of dig sadistic horror. I don't know. No, I, I, I like that as a better label than some of these other. Like, that fits better than fucking torture porn for this movie. Yeah, I agree It doesn't with that quite, too, man. like we said, it doesn't hit that extreme. No, it's just, it's tinkering on it. It's bordering on it. But all the intent is there. It's still yes. mean. Yes. Terrible yes. shit is still happening to these characters. Right, but 
when you're starting to, I don't know, trying to quantify like where these things fit, you know, in a Venn diagram or whatever, I think this one, like you said, uh, fits more into just tinkering on the, I don't know, this, it's, yeah, it's sadistic, but it's not torture porn. Yeah. You know, I think it fits more into that, that role. It's just not extreme, extreme. It's just like knocking on the door. Like, can, can you let me in? <laughs> I can show you some fucked up shit. Yeah. I feel like even within a little bit more of the extreme community, like this movie is looked on favorably. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I'm not saying it's you know what I mean. Ba- like, yeah, it's definitely people not a dig what he was trying to do. Yes, and to, it's it's a fun idea. Honestly, like dude. I wish these kinds of movies were usually done with this much polish and panache. And like Eli Roth is a good fucking filmmaker. Yeah, he is. Think about that five million dollar budget. We've talked about the return on it. So it lets you know that there was an audience for this. Mm-hmm. In in 2005, saying something, we talked about the numbers that Saw was generating too at that time compared to their budget as well. So against all odds, probably against all critics and shit like that too, it's like there's an appeal for this stuff amongst horror fans. Mm-hmm. Us being in that category too. So yeah, I mean, there's you can't argue that. Maybe what I'm getting at is I like it more than I did, like, now than I did then. Like, I do kind of dig this movie now. It's fine. No, it's still fun. It's still fun. But knowing what we know and knowing where it kind of falls in line, it's like, ah, you know, I've seen better, but it's still fun. It's more fun than for me than most mainstream horror. Yes. And but if you're going to try to sell it as extreme, You'll... yeah, it's mm, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's Eli Roth extreme, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's fine because he still appeals to the mainstream, but... He does a really good job of borderline stuff. This ain't grotesque. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's this not. This is trying to be grotesque before grotesque existed. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. Where... grotesque was 09, right? I think you're right. I think you're right. It was later 2000s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may be even early teens, but I think you're right, late 2000s. But yeah, point being is it was right there. Like I said, knocking on that door, but not quite. Ah. You know, over the edge. Almost. Now, <laughs> like I said, these guys are kind of actually assholes and not really all that likable. Right. They're not right. the worst. No. Like, if you're no. like, oh, they're fine. I don't think you're an asshole for thinking they're fine. No. But they're not the greatest. No, they're kind of dude bros. I do kind of like that they established that they even kind of have limits from the get-go, though. Mm-hmm. When Ollie brings the chick over and they're just like, dude, we can't rail a girl in a coma. Yeah. Like, I don't even think that's legal in Amsterdam, homie. Like, yeah, nah, even outside of international borders, this ain't right. Like, we're here to have an Amsterdam good time, but like, this ain't it, bro. <laughs> this ain't it. This, that's some Oli shit. That's some other shit. Did you see the creator cameo in the coffee shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw him back there with his buddy trying to rip that bong. Dude, his buddy did not know how to rip a bong. No. <laughs> Beginners. But yeah, I, I, that was actually my first note. Eli Roth cameo. Yeah. You know what? I think I said it last time we brought up Eli Roth. He's one of those guys I'm just so happy for overall because he's a giant fucking nerd about this shit. Oh, yeah. Who got to do it as a living and just continues to be able to do fun shit. Like, dude, his horror documentary fucking series is fucking dope. Yeah. Um, The History of Horror. 
It's fun. I've seen not a bunch, but I have seen quite a few episodes, and they're all good. He's knocking it out of the park with that shit. Yeah. Like, it's like, good on him, man, because you're right. He's one of those guys who is... Plus, compared to most of these fucking he's creators, he's good looking. Yeah, he's a handsome guy. You can't knock that, you know? So, like, he gets to, like, mop... He's like, <laughs> you know who did Cabin Fever? Me. Me. <laughs> you know who did Hostel? Me. Now let me see that sneeper. Yeah, let me see that sneeper. <laughs> let me sneep that sneeper. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> he's fucking sneeper patrol himself all over the place. You yeah, know he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely in that. <laughs> yeah, he's like... Anyhow. <laughs> Here's my second note. Is something you've already brought up. Was they're not necessarily like the full embodiment of it, but they do kind of represent the privileged American exceptionalism. Yeah. You know, it's like they kind of exhibit that at one of the early dance clubs, discos, if you will. Yo, I have a note about that shit. Like, I'm the type of guy I would rather avoid a fight. Yeah. I don't want that shit to come to blows. But I thought about it real hard for a second. And like, this is maybe a little bit fucked up. But if a dude that looked that much like an elf was trying to fuck with me. Nah, bro, I ain't letting that shit go down. <laughs> yeah, he said, he called him an elfage. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's funny. <laughs> but you're right, I'm like, damn, yeah, that he's, you're right out of a for some reason, of Yeah, for some reason that would just set me off, like, bro, I ain't getting punked by you, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'd be getting so. my ass kicked out of that fucking club, too. <laughs> I was like, I don't care if I am wearing a fanny pack, you can get your ass kicked. You fuck around, find out. <laughs> don't be stupid. Keebler ass motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cute ass bastard, get out of here. <laughs> He's apologizing. Anyhow, you know, anyway, the whole point, like I said, is to show a little bit of that, the quote unquote, because, you know, it's not, it's a stereotype, is what it is. It's just a stereotype of the American from the outsider's point of view. Speaking of stereotypes, we should mention, like, Amsterdam hates their portrayal in this movie, of Slovakia course. fucking can't stand their fucking portrayal in this movie. Of course. I mean, they they've said that. Who knows how many times it's like it's not supposed to represent that it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's a first it's a film it's not a documentary <laughs> you know what I mean right. come on let's get real here it is a little bit fucked up though that like Slovakia is like dude you made our entire country to look like all we do is fucking human traffic right people and then Eli Roth did issue an apology of course to Iceland for making. Yes, fucking Holly a drunk. Yeah, and a sex addict, (laughs) basically. But you're right. So that's kind of fucked up that he's going to apologize to Iceland for Ollie when, like, with what he he did to Slovakia. Yes, yes, yes. I I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. But they didn't even film with Slovakia, so you can't really. Right. It's like, what? what? (laughs) You know, it's going to be right, but. I still get it. I still get it, though. I get it. Yeah, yeah, Oh, especially, like, I have friends that live close to Slovakia. Like, I have a, a number of friends in the Czech Republic. Like, I know that it's actually fucking wonderful over there. Yeah. It's dude. nothing like that. So I understand them getting pissed off, but... Of course. So, you know, it, it, we get it. We get it. I think we've run across this before with film and stuff like that. It's, it's not a critique of that country or that... It's just... But also, like, if you're in charge of the Slovakian Tourism Board, yeah. like, yeah, I'd be pissed, too. Like, what the fuck, guy? <laughs> like, what? bro, come on. <laughs> yeah, he's like, the family rates would drop, but the dude bro rates would rise. 
<laughs> You're bringing a lot of college dudes out. Anyway, anyway, here's something I thought was really cool. Is early on when they do go to the brothel, right? They're trying to get Josh laid. You know, uh, going into a room and paying to do whatever you want to someone isn't really a turn on. <laughs> What's interesting? I had to write down that quote. I'm like, ah, I see yeah. what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Yes, because what they're doing is they're kind of mirroring what's going to happen later on. With uh, you're already in the spoilers, so it's mirroring what's happening in the slaughterhouse later mm-hmm. on, right? With the exhibitionism, like voyeurism, if you will seeing into uh, these different rooms, which I thought was cool. It's one of those elements, is one of those writing techniques, even directing techniques that's we've seen it a million times before, but it's pretty clever in this sense too. You know, he's still he's still doing it. All right, uh, here's something I thought was really neat. Our boy Quentin Tarantino makes a cameo in this film. Do you know that? Oh, because uh, he's on the fucking TV, right? Uh, from what I understand, he's actually he's actually one of the German people during when they get locked out of the hostel and the people are arguing with them. Oh shit, he's one of them. When Jay yeah. Paxton is going into his German spiel, you hear a guy like open up the window and he's yelling I'm in German. That's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that's fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. So he's in here too. Um, but I, I felt like the biggest turning point is during that sequence when that dude, Alex, invites mm-hmm. them up, sells them on the idea of Slovakia and the women because he shows them the cell phone pictures and all that. I was like, that's in 2005. <laughs> well, uh, Alex has another one of those really telling lines where he's like, not everyone wants to kill Americans. So some do. He said, not all. Not all is a tell. Yeah. Not everyone. But that means some 100% do. <laughs> Once again, kind of like last week with society, if you pay attention to the dialogue, those characters are saying more than what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. like you said the way he says it implies that some do. <laughs> Makes sense. So, yeah, the, the guys are actually supposed to be going to Barcelona but then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, there's girls there? Not because a lot of the guys are at war. Uh, what? Okay. Well, right, this unknown hostel you're not going to find in any mm-hmm. book. I mean, that's kind of red flags. <laughs> right. You know, even with the premise of some uh, sneaker, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some credentials here. I need a little bit more than these photos that you could have photoshopped. But, you know, they jump on the train. Oh, yeah. First stop. But... Another one of those signs I'd like, too, is when they're at the station, the depot, mm. how abandoned it gets and how alone it kind of it's supposed to make you feel like, mm-hmm. damn, we're a long way from home. And, you know, they're having a good time until fucking German Anthony Head shows up. Give him a little bit of that miscuzzi, miscuzzi. I was going to say, it kind of mirrors <laughs> a little bit of Eurotrip. It's kind of fucking funny. I wonder if that was intentional. Right? It might have been. Miscuzzi. Miscuzzi. Yeah, don't fucking touch me. But I hate to keep saying it like this, but that guy says some interesting stuff. Like, I put, he has some very telling exposition and his mannerisms, too. Like, his hands are really shaky. That wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't, like, a mistake that they did that. 
Well, and the whole last third of what he's saying sets up the director's cut, which is like the only payoff for the director's cut. Yes, 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 yes. About he and Ollie share something in common mm-hmm. with their daughters and all that stuff. So you, you're right. That does set that up, but it doesn't have the payoff. No, like that's the, the only cut. payoff that it comes back, like that's, that it actually comes back around. That's that. Yeah, yeah. Because like we said, that director's, <laughs> that alternate isn't actually that great. No, well, I mean, we'll talk about it, of course, but. It, it's really not. It's really not. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. So the guys go to the hostel. Everything looks good, right? The the town they're in looks really dope and shit. Look, it all looks too good. Right. And that's the whole point. <laughs> like, I probably would have got caught by it, too. Well, yeah. But as a guy watching a horror movie, I'm just like, bro, at some point, like, like you're in Slovakia, not heaven. You know what I mean? Yes. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Because we've done this a bunch of times now. And what by this, I mean, we've talked about the element of cults, the element of um, what that means. Like, not necessarily cosmic horror, but you're kind of in that cult horror. Mm-hmm. You know, like, once you arrive somewhere, your fate's already sealed. That's kind of what's happening with these guys. These women, much like The Worker Man and other films that follow in suit, they're just baiting these guys. These guys are already... Don't they use one of the musical cues from Wicker Man? Of course they do. I'm saying, because we've done this so many times now, it's like, oh, he's paying homage to that. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily cult horror, but he is doing that with this film. Yeah, it pretty much is. From here on out, Mm -hmm. it does. Yeah. Which I was like, that's kind of cool, dude. That's actually a good way to pay homage to films like that and do it in this manner with the extreme end of it. I do feel like they're not necessarily as trapped as you usually are in like that more full core type no, you're right. culty shit. You're right. You're like right. if they would have wisened up any time in those first like uh, they two were, days, they might have been able to still get out of there. Their problem was was they were, they were all thinking with their dicks. Yeah, <laughs> and that was where the horror came in <laughs> for them. <laughs> you know, they fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker, but. Once those girls, man, once they get in the room and those girls show up, I was like, this is clever because, you know, second, third, fourth time watching and all that stuff, you notice that the lines that they say to those guys are rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And what it's another way of baiting well, them. One of my favorite parts of the movie is later on when Paxton comes back around into the room. I noticed and he, that. And he gets that realization like, oh, fuck, like... This happens a lot. I'm not the first. No, it's a, it's a really good honey trap. Yeah, it is. I just like, and like oh, I said, geez, I don't huh? want to throw too much. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm the fucking smartest and I would have figured it out. Yeah, but... I would like to think, though, that <laughs> I would have at least thought to myself, like, this seems to be a little bit too easy. I know. I'm like, man, how can I bring this back home? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, no, you're right. All jokes aside. Maybe I wouldn't have, but there's a but part of me that likes to think, like, like, man, this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to find out. This shit does come with a cost. Well, because you, first you have Ollie, Ollie mm-hmm. disappearing. Yeah. It's like they go on to the nightclub, the disco. Everybody's having a good time. Dude, King of the, swing. the way that they were trying to cover that up was sketch as fuck. Like, oh. I think that's when I'm fucking out of what there. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, like, I'm sorry no for sense. fucking homie, but... I was like, what I thought was kind of funny, 
a little bit. But maybe it, I'm going to Iceland's embassy and letting them know, like, hey, one of your homies is missing. It was the way the way that Natalia was trying to explain to Paxton with Ola. He's like, his phone didn't have uh, with electricity. How do you call? He's like, oh yeah, like converter. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like he was really quick to kind of side with her when she's like stumbling to trying to explain through her interpretation of words. It's like, no, nah, it's still sketchy. It doesn't make any sense. And then you get the sayonara bit of it. Yeah, that doesn't make any bit of sense. Even looking at that photo, you're like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> the fuck it, is this? It's fucked up. This is as funny as it was, but I did kind of lose it at the fucking, Ollie doesn't even like Asian chicks. <laughs> they did say some sly shit. Yeah, like, no offense, just like, that wasn't him. Dude, one of the first lines in the film is when they're in the, I think they're on their way to the freaking coffee shop in Amsterdam. He's like, mm-hmm. I think Anne Frank's house is around here somewhere. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, it's just random <coughs> shit like that. Random stuff. Yeah, so you have already talked about it or alluded to it, the Willow song oh, from yeah, Wicker yeah. Man. There's a band actually I, I listen to, not a lot, but on occasion. Sneaker Pimps is the ones who covered that song in this version. Sneaker Pimps? Yeah, Sneaker Pimps. <laughs> you heard that right. <laughs> they missed a golden opportunity to name themselves that. We start a band, Tyler. The Sneaker Pimps. The Sneaker Pimps, yeah. <laughs> but that, once again, is uh, it's setting that whole cult-ish-esque mm-hmm. Here's something that I thought was really neat, too. You can read this. This isn't like a spoil. I mean, it, it is a spoil if you don't know, but it's trivia. You can look it up. It's not a big deal. But the room that they stay in, do you know this number that they stayed in? No. Room 237. Oh, no shit. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. Okay, Eli. <laughs> That's fucking good. Yeah. That's fucking really good. I wish I would have noticed that. Good on you. Like, okay. Yeah, I didn't notice that until more recently, so I'm like, oh, that's clever. Okay. You're right. We've already talked about Oli Goes Missing. What this kind of leads to, though, which is really neat, is the guys, Josh and Paxson, that is, they encounter those street kids for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not necessarily Josh, because he encountered them with the German guy. The German guy paid him money when they were at the club. You oh, know, right. when he stepped yeah, out to yeah. get some fresh air and all that shit, but... It's kind of setting that thing up like these kids can be bribed. Like even though they're badass kids, you can bribe them with money and fucking candy. It's kind of setting that up, right? But what they're doing is they see a guy with Oli's coat or what looks like Oli's coat, and they go to follow him. It leads them to a torture museum, which is actually a real museum they went to. Mm. It's kind of neat. But they find out that the guy is now Oli, and the guy's like, you know, don't put your fucking hands on me. This is my coat. Fuck off out of here. Yeah. You know, like, oh. And they're still not remembering. So it's like, totally Oli's coat, right? Of course it is. But <laughs> they have to keep in mind, and I think this is kind of the point of the film too, is they're not in America. So you can't act like you're in America the way mm-hmm. they're doing. Like they're just being kind of aloof with their actions and shit. And every turn and every corner could be their last if they're not playing their cards right. You know, and I think that's kind of a clever thing too. Like maybe an underlying element in this film was like, these guys keep fucking slipping up because they're not paying attention to their surroundings or where they're at. Mm-hmm. And this film keeps kind of reminding them that of that. Like, you're not in America, dude. You're in Slovakia. You're a long way from home. You know, long way from home. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. 
here's something I did like is it shows the gal, Kana's friend. I can't remember what her oh, name yeah, was. I can't remember Yuki or something yeah. like that. It's where the guy has his fucking hedge clippers or whatever they are. That was and goes a, that's in on a the great toe. cut. Dude, that's one of the best cuts ever. Because you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then Kana clips her toenails. And you're like, god damn, that's good. That still gets you. But that's what I'm talking about with those cuts. I wrote that shit down, too. Your it's, mind probably fills in the blanks. Like, oh, yeah, remember when they cut her fucking toe off and shit? <laughs> like, no, no, you didn't. They didn't no, show that shit. I don't remember it because it didn't happen. But they did a good job of making you think it happened, which is good. So I, I did like that. Here's what does happen, though. Is our boy goes missing, Josh? Right. Well, fucking. One of the other fun things about this movie is how it flips. You think Josh is the main character? You do. You do because that's kind of his story is like trying to get him laid, and it follows Mm. kind of him. He's getting over a fucking breakup, and like he's the only one that actually is kind of a good guy. It's weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. You're right. You you would think that he is the main character in this film. And then, and Paxton's even the one to be like, look, like, we don't really know Ollie. So like, let's just go party because these chicks are super hot and we can get our dicks wet some more. Right. And then we can bounce and go to Barcelona in Mm -hmm. a day or two or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's like, exactly, exactly. Like, you, up until like a few hours ago, we didn't even know he had a daughter. Like, yeah, quit trying to rationalize everything. <laughs> just, this is what it is. Yeah, let's get our sticks wet and uh, just enjoy our time here. And, and because it, apparently he's also trying to be like a writer or some shit. So he's like, this is how you gain experience and stories. And mm-hmm. so he's playing that card. <coughs> so I do like that. Like, he's still trying to hit him with like some shit to keep him in the game, mm-hmm. you know? Because. What I've talked about with the cut, Kana's in the hostel, I guess in the lobby area, and Josh and Paxton are still asking about when she's going to leave, if she wants them to meet up with her before she leaves out at the station, and she agrees. They run back into Natalia and Svetlana, who are going to the disco. They decide that uh, they're going to go to the disco because they shouldn't be taking out their frustration about Oli on the girls. Mm-hmm. Connor refuses, but the boys well, go. some of that hate fucking. Yes. But while they're at the club, the boys is getting dosed up, and they don't realize it. Yeah, and so Josh is the first one to wander off. He goes back to the hostel, and I've already mentioned it. Was it Vala? She and yeah. some other dude... It looks like a henchman. It looks like Mm -hmm. a gang member (laughs) are back at the hostel. And she's like, oh, let me take care of you, Uh, you know, help you back to your room. And then right before it cuts, you see her feet in the doorway. And then, yeah. And then he wakes up and when he's coming too. But before that too, uh, Paxton's back at the club. So Paxton was like also supposed, like he was supposed to be like abducted, abducted, right? Right, 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 right. But he's just a dumbass and wandered in the wrong room. And right, out. he locked out. Yeah, even though it doesn't look like it, he like he missed he missed out on some sneaper, but <laughs> but that's not what really happened. He missed out on getting slept. Yeah, and they fucking well, and they fucking slept on it too because you would think somebody would, should have been paying attention to that shit and like. Right, 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 right. We're missing one. Where the fuck do you go? We're like, nah. There's more. <laughs> but you're right. He, uh, you know what though? The girls are pros at playing it off later when he shows back up because they yes, should they have are. been like, "What the fuck?" No, 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 no. That's not what they do. 
But they're immediately like, okay, something went wrong. Yeah, so you're right. Paxson wanders off. He he gets locked in this fucking little storage room. Josh, on the other hand, wakes up, and we notice a guy that we've seen before in the film, and it's the fucking Dutch business guy who was on the train, also in the club. You know, it, it has that little switch where, you know, Josh is talking to him, and he puts his hand on his thigh, and you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's the switch in him. But no, that doesn't fucking matter at this point, because... Dude's always wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So earlier when his hand was shaking when he's eating and shit, that kind of comes back to play because in his expo he talks about that, why he was not accepted. Mm-hmm. But this is, I guess, his way of playing that out, though. It's like, you know what, fuck you guys. I can still do it just yeah. in my way. I know I can't do it right, but I can still do it. I can still do it. I'm about to show you, Josh. <laughs> Which, man, when I first saw this film, this is where I was like, yes, this is the shit I was looking for, man, in a film and stuff like that. And... For it to be an American film and a mainstream film from 2005, 2006, whenever it came out in the theaters, I have to say, man, it's like, you know, that was a fun moment. I was about to say, for those circumstances, this brings the hits. In general, it doesn't. No, no, no. But like I said, from that time period, it did. Because what happens to him is fucked up. He gets fucked up. The fuck it, the drill is nasty. <laughs> it is. I personally kind of feel like the Achilles slash is more effective in urban legend. Yeah. 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 This one doesn't stick with me as much, although it's still fucked up. It's still fucked up. Uh, and the you're free to go. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just like, no, you're not. I didn't know this about this scene is during his freak out when he gets his Achilles slashed. Yeah. His reaction was real, but it wasn't because of the Achilles It was because that fucking chair he was in, he rocked it, and when it came back, it landed on his fucking big toe. Ooh. Yeah, and he thought it was split in half. It fucked his toe up pretty good. But he captured, or they captured his reaction in that scene. First, for a second, I thought you said he rocked back, and when he rocked forward, he accidentally rocked onto his nuts for a second. Oh, and oh just like, God. That would have been horrible. But no, he was in some pain. Like, there is, in the, uh, the version, like, I've got like a Blu-ray copy of it, but in the... Like the outtakes and stuff, you can see him like mm. he was not having a good time with right. his toe. Yeah, he was like, "This shit fucking hurts." <laughs> so uh, that was pretty gnarly. Anyhow, yeah, you you have that sense like, "Oh, he's gonna make it. He's letting him go." And then he grabs him, and they look in the mirror, and he's like, "I'll pay you ten times. I'll double whatever." He's like, <laughs> "I thought that was fucking hilarious. I'll pay you ten times." Double. Double, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he just say whatever, man. And he's like, oh, you think that I'm getting paid? No, I'm the one paying. Mm-hmm. And slits his fucking throat. But that's the cutaway. You don't you don't see it. You see the beginning of it. Yeah. So did he die? <laughs> did he die? So, all right, our boy, Paxson, he wakes up. The guy wakes him up, whoever, you know, barkeep or whatever. Uh, he wanders back, and uh, one of my favorite characters in this film. The, oh, the fucking the the just the front clerk, end guy, the front, yeah, yeah the, the front, front clerk. desk guy, whatever, the desk Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he just like, he says one of the stupidest fucking things. So I, I still like quoting it, but he just tells him he's like, yeah, didn't you check out earlier? He's like, no. He's like, yeah, isn't your 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 bags? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. 
It happened before I got here, man. And he's like, yeah, relax, man. You're on vacation. <laughs> I still like that line. Relax, man. Did <laughs> you read about this guy? Mm-mm. So he was a personal assistant. And the actor who was supposed to play that role dropped out kind of last minute. Okay. So he filled in because he's a Jedi. <laughs> There's a fucking story about that. It's <laughs> okay. interesting. So, yeah, he stepped in, played the role, did a really good job. And that kind of led to some other roles for him, mm. uh, I guess, in uh, the Czech Republic or whatnot. So, anyhow, th- what this leads to is Paxson gets another room. And when he does, uh, we already talked about that deja vu scenario with the new girls who are like, we're going to the spa. You should come. Mm-hmm. I might. Oh, it's not the way you might like. <laughs> but... But, yeah, that kind of set some alarms off in him and stuff like that. And uh, he winds up running back into Svetlana and Natalia at the pub. That's another one of those Wicker Man moments. It was intentionally done to make them look kind of uglier as the film progresses. You know, they're ugly people. Mm -hmm. But she, uh, she starts to tell him about the art show. And she's also trying to explain about Josh and where he went. Josh he's like, where well, he's with at. Ollie's at. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you say with the artists? See, like, mm-hmm. she's playing that dumb angle mm-hmm. intentionally, of course. But I kind of like it, though, because what, what that does is it leads to them taking that ride out to that stack that he noticed earlier from the photo and the phone with Ollie and the other girl, Yuki. Right. And so they are out there, and uh, we get another cameo from another big-time director. You could spend all your money in there. In there. <laughs> and he's not lying. Takashi Miike, dude, showing up. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Um, so good on Eli for pulling that one because that's a big name. Here's what I like, too, is Natalia is leading Paxton into that warehouse. Like It's, a, it's in ruins. It's in rubble, right? At a certain point, and I like what they do with the camera angle, too, is there's a divide between them. There's this gap between them. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at it maybe metaphorically or whatever, it's like once he crosses over to where she's at, he's kind of made that decision that his fate's kind of sealed. Mm-hmm. You know, because she starts to giggle at him. And she's she's saying it in not the way that she's presenting it. She's like, why are you so serious, Mr. Serious American? She's saying it because you're about to get fucked up. Yeah. You don't realize it being all serious, and that's the funny part to her. So, oh, you serious? You about to find out how serious you are? Because <laughs> the first thing he sees is when he does enter, is homeboy Josh getting sewn up by the fucking Dutch du- guy. Dutch, the Dutch dude's getting half his doctor moment. Yeah, he's getting perform a little surgery on mm-hmm. Mr. Josh. And that fucks up Paxton, rightfully so. And he comes out, and he's calling her all kinds of whore and bitch and all that. And she has a really cool line. Fucking love it. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, she says, I get a lot of money for you, and that, that makes you, you my, my bitch. bitch. <laughs> it's like, ah, no lies there. No cap, as the kids say. <laughs> and uh, what happens right after that is these guys come out, and they snatch his ass up, and they put him in a room, and there's a German guy waiting on him. He tries to convince them that he's not American, but he is, mm-hmm. as the passport shows. And, uh, yeah, this is where like you know, the third scene kind of, or third act kicks off. You know what's something I kind of like about this movie? Like, I wish I know exactly what was being said, but I like that there's moments that they just don't translate. Yeah. 
that's a, a little bit of a problem I still have with a film we did recently in Shram. Mm. I got to record that shit and let Justin hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Like I want to, I want to know exactly what he was, because like he goes off on a fucking monologue. You know, Do you what? have it? Did somebody record it? Is that what you were about to say? Oh, I was, I was just say, hoping. No, no, I want to say I've got both of those films. I'm just going to record it and play it for Justin, let him there translate it for us. But at the same time, like I kind of like the choice to just like let it, yeah, let it, yeah, hang. yeah, because it has a significance to that character. Well, those two characters specifically, mm-hmm. and we're kind of left out of the dark, but it's supposed to cue us in that like. That guy doesn't like what he's hearing, and he's not really doing himself a favor right now. <laughs> well, like, well, yeah, it's whatever he says, the guy's getting turned off because he's starting to think of him as like being a human is what right. like the, the takeaway right. I got. I get the same feeling. Like he's pleading with him from like a humanistic standpoint. Like, mm-hmm. look, I'm a human. Don't do this. You don't have to do this. And the guys there, obvious, dude, that guy is like, way into what he's doing to, him, to Paxton. Bitch, I paid for this. Dude's just fuck about coming just like uh, standing there. Yeah. Uh, what the f- Yeah, he's fucking his nut up right now. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. Yeah, so he puts the gag on him. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he starts cranking some shit up in there. There's a Man, that's something else I liked, too, about the way they display the room, how much cutlery and... Shit that they can choose from to fuck you up with? Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Dude, there's a lot of really well-done ideas in God these fucking damn. movies. That's why it bums me out that Eli never made the third one. Because I wanted to see his idea for how it should all go down. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Because he gave us this, and this is dope looking. It's good ideas. It's not the greatest extreme, but that's right. not its fault. It's not trying to be. It's That's what everyone else is putting on it. All right. He didn't put that on there. Mm-hmm. You're right. So... Yeah, you're right. What could have been? Who knows? Maybe, I mean, there's still there's still time. Who knows? He's still relatively young, if you think about it. Anywho, anywho. Mr. Mister Paxton, uh, he gets his fucking hand fucked up pretty good by that chainsaw. I, I did like something, what they did, which is really effective with that so, chainsaw. I got that the guy didn't want him dying by choking on his own puke. Right. Because right, right, Paxton right. starts to freak out to the point that he's, he's puking up into himself. his fucking ball gag. Yeah. So that's like gnarly. once again, that's fucking killing the guy's boner. Like that's not what he's here for. He wants to he wants to kill this guy. He doesn't want yes. this guy to fucking choke to death. Right. So I get him taking off the ball gag. <laughs> I don't understand why he decides to cut the fucking handcuffs off of him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't because know. he didn't slip at that point. He aimed for the handcuffs and just happened to get part nicked of him. his hand. N- nicked him. But yeah. yeah, he lopped his fucking... Which that was pretty gnar. That was some good off. effects. Yeah, it was. You're like, holy shit. So that's good, yes. Rightfully so, like you said, Paxson's freaking the fuck out. Homeboy backs up and charges at him. But when he does, he slips on his fingers and blood and puke mm-hmm. and cuts his fucking thigh which leads to a scramble for uh, Paxson's going after the gun that the guy flashed him earlier. Which, like, that's a little chainsaw massacre, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. I don't think I recognize that the first time through. Not the first time through, but, yeah. He's showing his influences. Uh, that makes know. me like that even a little bit more, you know of what I mean? Of course, man. It's like those little touches. and I, I, Same thing. It's like, I, it's clever. It's done in his way, but he's also paying homage. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Good on him. Uh, so that happens. Paxson gets a gun, blows the fucking dude's brains out, whatever. He plays it kind of clever because one of the hench guys comes in 
and he's in the chair slumped over and dude's on the floor and he pops two rounds off on the hinge guy, puts on that fucking really gnarly mask, which I think it's used in some promotional like I think so. Some marketing stuff, which is cool. He winds up going into a room. He winds up getting to like some dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he ravenouses that shit. Yeah, he does. And there's this big old oafish guy, like just in the incinerator, just butchering shit, throwing shit away. It's fucked up because we see Josh in one of those scenes, which oh, is yeah. fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, Paxson winds up getting up, knocks that fucking guy out. As he's escaping, which is, it's one of those things where I think it probably takes some people out if you're, like, really into this film. Like, why the fuck would he go back in just because he hears those screams? And how does he know whose screams those are? Right, because he gets out. He, like, he's out. Well, before that, you have the bit where he's getting dressed and runs into the other cat. That is the oh, one yeah, that yeah, ends yeah, the up American doing guy. that. I know I jump yeah, way ahead, yeah. but yeah. He also like that part kind of cracks me up because that guy just like trying to psych himself up and like it is kind of funny. Oh, dude, talking big shit and like that guy. It this is fucking funny. It's funny and it's so so. I mean, he he kind of makes light of it too. So it's you know it's not a big deal. But that actor when he was psyching himself up during that scene, like with mm-hmm. the gun, he wound up hitting himself in the fucking oh, forehead and like. Busted his shit pretty decent. Oh, damn. And almost gave himself a concussion. Jesus Christ. And as they were filming that scene, there were, like, storm clouds coming in. So it kind of ruined the lighting. Mm. And it took almost 12 hours before they could reshoot his scene. And they had to put makeup and shit. But the funny, man, the funny thing, if you really pay attention to it, he sells it so good, is after that. I like that scene, but that's... A fucking shit scene to have to wait 12 hours to fucking do a reshot. Yeah, dude. So after he has that dialogue and shit with Paxton and he's trying to get Paxton to show him his Mm -hmm. his tattoo, they get interrupted, right? Because we learn that that dude paid some good money for this chick and he doesn't just want to offer with a gun. He's just indecisive how the fuck he wants to do it. We'll learn who the girl is. That's what I'm saying. Once Paxson gets out, he hears those screams. Yeah, I don't know, And he man. goes back in. He goes back in. And- well, what I'm saying, the, the best part about that actor is the way he sells his his kill. Like, when he gets oh. shot by Paxton, he just, he slumps in the corner and takes those lights down with him. <laughs> I'm like, you really sold that shit. That's after he almost got concussed. <laughs> came in strong in that scene. Man, him going back, like, <laughs> I get it, especially as far as yeah. the storytelling is going. Because the like, rest of the sequence at this point, at this point is just, it's, it's all unbelievable. Like, none of this is believable at this mm-hmm. point. That he would save that gal whose eyes all fucked up. That dude fucked her eye up. Because <laughs> he cuts her eye, Paxton cuts her eye from her wound mm-hmm. and that shit comes out <laughs> that was fucking disgusting That's shit fucking good they make it all the way out and get to a car get out of that whole fucking that complex make it into town and who do they run into alex svetlana and natalia that was funny as great that was fucking good as shit i was just like yo dude fucking go for it and I love that he just like, 
I for like I remember that he ran o- them over. I forgot about him fucking rebacking over her, going like fucking fifty. Like, dude, he fucked her shit up. <laughs> when that happened, I lost. I started laughing so hard. That shit was so good. Once again, because there was candy in the car, those street kids come back out. They want some candy. He gives them the candy, right? They drive off. Those hench guys that are after them run back into those kids, and they're cussing the kids. Those kids fucked their shit up. Yeah, they fucking... They just smashed German Will Sasso's head right <laughs> They fucked dude up. And then they bashed that car in, right? So they make a getaway. They make it all the way to the train station, that depot. Right. And Kana gets a glimpse of herself for the first time after... You know, she makes her escape and all that shit. And this fucks her up, and she's heading towards the fucking train tracks. So before they make it to the train itself, mm-hmm. when they're, like, stuck almost at the fucking checkpoint and shit, the one thing mm-hmm. really fucking bugged me is, like, You're right. he, he's sitting there for a minute, like, seeing if he can just get out of line, but he can't. And, like, he's attracting attention. <laughs> and so, you know, they slip out the fucking passenger side and down the hill. But... It's shown to us that, like, it's kind of a surprise for the police officer <laughs> that, like, the passenger side door is open and there's nobody there when he walks up to the car. But not being able to see them only applies to the camera. From yeah. the angle he was walking, he would have been able to watch them <laughs> the entire time they were doing what they were doing. Yeah, but, you know, that's a, it's I'm a like, movie. I haven't seen something this egregious <laughs> since fucking Jason X, son. <laughs> like... Like, come on, dude. That's okay, though. That's okay. But you're right, man. If you're going to point out consistencies and shit, that ain't it, son. So kind of get sees herself. All right. This feels weird to ask, but, like, considering how prevalent of a form of suicide it is in Asian countries, is it racist to have her off herself by train? Oh, man, that's fucked up. But, um... Not really. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though, no, no, right? No, no, like, no, no. You make a good solid point. You make a good case, you know, and it's not unfounded. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. I can say this much. She didn't have a problem doing what she did. I don't mean, like, her character. I mean, the actress herself, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. Not, like, real, like, hardcore racist. Like, no. But, like, that's kind of fucked up, like, because that's. There's some stereotype shit in this, you know. It's weird that there is a stereotype for the way Asians commit suicide, but that is one of them. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not unfounded, dude, but... So, like, having somebody play into the stereotype, like... Yeah, it's fucked up, you know, but... She, when I say she, the, the actress herself, Jennifer Lim, she's like, she could understand why that character would do what she did after seeing herself like that for the first time. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. She didn't have a problem with what she had to do for yeah. that character. So, you know, she understood the role. She understood the assignment, <laughs> as they would say. And he can't do shit to stop her because otherwise he blows his cover. <laughs> yeah. I was like, unfortunately for her, it spells her fate. But fortunately for him, it helps him escape. It's yeah. like a diversion for him, you know. So, yeah, it springs his escape from that train depot. He gets all the way to another station and runs into a character we just left off from not too long ago. Ooh, Dr. Dutchman. Yeah, Mr. Dutch Business Guy. And this is where we talked about earlier. You've already brought it up. 
So your experience with this, this ending, because we're right here at the end. So I like the theatrical ending more, but going into this rewatch, I remembered the director's cut more. Right. Whereas for myself, I had seen this at the theater first Mm -hmm. before I had seen the director's cut and seen his ending the way that played out. So I'm more familiar with the theatrical cut. I That's more like embedded it with me. The theatrical cut is better, man. I liked it, dude, because it's like, ooh, it's gruesome. It's pretty gruesome. Like, we, we pointed out, like, him setting up his daughter and how much he cares for her and, and this I, I and mean, that is set up earlier in the movie. But the way it all plays out, yeah, like... Yeah, it's kind of creepy. He's fucked up. And you like, still don't know how he get necessarily got away with it. Like, still somebody would have saw yeah, him grabbing the fucking girl. That doesn't shit. make like, any sense. It really doesn't, the way it plays out. I, I know we're, not, we're alluding to it. So for those who don't know... Who have never seen it is, and what we can do both at this point, right? We can right, do director's yeah. so cut. So, like, director's cut is kind of simple because he just follows the businessman who has his daughter. Right. That's and, who the guy's meeting at the station mm-hmm. is his daughter. And when they separate to use the restroom, he goes and nabs her and gets away on a fucking train. Yes. And the dude is breaking down, yelling Sets out her name. Sets him in a panic. And he sees the train leaving that Paxton has a little girl. In his lap, he's covering her mouth. And it but it's like not even like she's, like, he's having to cover her mouth. Like, yes. he is getting caught in, like, three seconds. Dude, it's so obvious that he's in creeper mode right now, even though he's he's technically probably saving that girl from a ugly reality from her dad, but he's also playing this fucked up game that he shouldn't be playing right now mm-hmm. either because that guy's a part of a cult. Yeah. Um, and they have info on him. And it's not like, like, he killed a number of people on the way out. He didn't kill anybody important. No, no, no. That's just like some low-level dudes you could plug and play with. Theatrical cut. He catches up with the guy. Yes. The guy goes in the bathroom. The Dutch business guy, that is. Right? He goes in the bathroom. He's dropping a deuce, whatever the fuck he's doing. He, when I say he, Paxson slips a business card underneath. Look, everything about the way the theatrical cut plays out is better like that's dope because suddenly the guy's like oh shit that's not good yeah ooh, that's only a select few know mm-hmm. about this then he cuts his fingers off like yeah. what happened to paxton not that this guy did it but he's right like, fuck it like there's now I'm like taking a lot out of my rage right there's there's mirroring of, of shit that happens right because not only does that mirror his fingers but the next kind of bit happens mirrors his buddy's fate Right, well, because then the way he slits his throat mirrors the way that he slit Josh's throat, which is cinematic sign language for now that they've become the same. Right. Which is explored further in, this is the spoiler section, spoilers for Hostel 2, the heroine at the end of that just straight up joins the organization. Yeah, which, here's something I thought was interesting, is the reflection, like you said, the exchange Mm -hmm. between characters now, is uh, the guy sees his reflection much like, Josh had seen his reflection right before he got his throat slit. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that was clever. Cinematic use of, of reflections, mirroring, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it seems that Paxson got his revenge for Josh, gets his escape. He's on the train. He's out of that station. He's got revenge. He took care of the guys at whatever. So, yeah, there, there's that. That was the end of this film. So theatrical cut, theoretically, he keeps his head down. Do you think he can get away? I think he can if he plays his cards right. 
you know, if he makes certain moves without giving himself away, his location mm-hmm. and shit, he has to be... I don't think he's a high enough priority for the organization, for them. No. Like, if he gets back to America, in my opinion, he would be safe. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's a high enough priority for them to spend the money... No, not to trace to, him. Like, he's such a low-level... He's like a college student. Yeah. He, he's not a high-level... Yeah, like you were saying, he's not some high-level political whatever. Nobody's going to listen to his shit. No... It's gonna be like whatever, kid. If he does, if he makes too much noise, now they know where he's at. So it's not like they have to spend money tra- tracing him down. Like, yeah, yeah. So as long as yeah. he keeps quiet, he's probably alive. I mean, I exactly. know that he comes back. You, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Because that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, it, we'll save that. We'll save that for that film. But I do like this film's place in horror history and kind of like cinema history too, because of what we've already talked about kind of ad nauseum at this point is the fact that it's one of those founding films, not necessarily, not, not, not really, but if you want to brandish it and label it for the torture porn, it did help spark that movement going forward. Mm-hmm. Cause you can make the argument like, yeah, this is one of those foundational films in that subgenre, you know, but I, I like it because it's more of once again, I, I think this, is what he did with Green Inferno. It's more of a, a commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, he's putting an interesting commentary on something that he said when he went into researching the film and shit, he had heard some stories about Thailand and the pay for kill, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, you get, you just can't go to fucking wherever the Philippines, Thailand, wherever the fuck, and start asking people about this shit because you might wind up being a victim. You know, like the people you're researching. So he's like, we can't go that route. So you have to make something fictional. And this is more interesting because, like I said, it, it leads into something a little bit more believable. Like, yeah, you can play around with the idea of the, these college kids from America going abroad and to maybe give you like a, a real life scenario, not to their extent, but like the kid who did some fucked up shit, had to get caned oh, and right. how they made yeah, this yeah. big noise about it. It's like, yeah, you know, you go abroad and do stupid shit. And shit's going to happen. Right. And you have to suffer the consequences of your actions. And I think this is a good point of like illustrating, you know, your, your actions have consequences. And sometimes doing stupid shit is just like allowing your ass to be conned. Precisely. Cause that's a part of the game too. Like you have to be aware of your surroundings. You're not in the States. You're not going from state to state. You're going from different culture, different countries. They don't play that shit. Yeah. You know, be aware of what's going on. Exactly. You can't just trust people. It's they, I think that's probably a, a good example. Of, these ki- these kids would have gotten fucked up trying to yeah. go see a donkey show. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you can go to Tijuana. <laughs> no, nope. they're going to get fucking rolled and left. in the Yeah. Fucking oh, man, it would be f- so fucked. But I think a, a, another really interesting parallel. I think I just kind of came to the conclusion of is with Oli in the way that Paxson, he was like, yeah, we don't really know him. Right. It's kind of the same way they kind of trusted Alex is like they don't really know him, but they trust him enough to fucking change their plans from going to Barcelona to Slovakia mm-hmm. just like that because he was selling them on some sneaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I I think that's a good code word from here on out. But for those who know. So it's kind of like that. Like they didn't know Oli and they still argued that like, yeah, we don't really know him. We just found out he had a kid, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we don't really know this Alex guy. He had some shit on his fucking lip. And we're here. Here we are. 
we don't know where the fuck we're at. This is not on any map, on any book we're going to have. I mean, shit like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it can lead you down this fucking, this tunnel and this path that you don't want to go down. Yeah. This this film illustrates that. Basically, pay attention and don't start shit. That's what we're saying. Yeah, don't be fucking dumb. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's the travel warning. You know, and unfortunately, like I said, um, some of these countries took offense to it. Mm-hmm. I think if you watch this film and not just watch the film itself, but if you get the, the opportunity to see how the film was made, like the behind the scenes and all that shit, you can see like they had fun. Mm-hmm. They weren't being offensive to anybody. Uh, the cool thing, once again, you can look this up. The street kids were real street kids, the bubblegum gang or whatever you want to call them. And something that was really cool as they show it is Eli was out there like rapping with them. And those kids were out there breakdancing and shit. Oh, that's fucking dope. Yeah, and, you know, they filmed. They should have just put that over the credits. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, that would have been dope. Yeah, that are my beach. Uh, <laughs> I do love how they end the fucking credits with bringing that line back. Around. That is really cool. But my point being is, is like the makeup, all that stuff, the effects, they showed how they did all that stuff. It brings up my argument from a long time ago with imprint. Like mm. when people freak out on you, when you watch horror, just let them know and remind them like, this is makeup. These are actors and actresses and directors and people are giving their consent. <laughs> you know, this is the magic of film. This is why there's so many people on this project and all these names associated with it because in order for it to pull it off, it takes all these people. And that's something I'm appreciating a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, we might not say everybody's name because we'd be here all fucking day talking about everybody on the project. But it played a part in this film. It plays a part in all these films. And if it sells you on the idea that these people are really getting fucked up and what you're seeing is real and graphic, this film's done its part. It's It gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say on Hostel. Nah, man. It's a fun film. You know, it's shit. It's weird to think that this film's coming up on 20 years. Shit, that is nuts. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. But yeah, it's a fun film. I like it. Okay, so as we said, off for a couple weeks. Yep. And when we come back, we'll be coming back Ooh. some uh, Christmas-style episodes. Yeah, we are. We're going to see wrestling legend <laughs> Bill Goldberg in Santa's sleigh. Yeah, don't confuse the Goldbergs on here. <laughs> Shit, no. That's not the goalie. Oh, we got some Bill Goldberg. <laughs> was he a Falcons, right? Yeah, he was. He was a lineman, defensive lineman for the Falcons for a little Nose bit. Nose tackle and then blew out his knee, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Suffered some sports injuries. Uh, went to the WCW, which makes sense because it was based out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Went on this crazy fucking winning Ted streak. Turner. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I know this is wrestling. If you're wrestling fans out there, which there probably are, yeah, Eric Bischoff, all those guys. Mm-hmm. That's it was fun. The the early '90s, mid '90s, WCW was a lot of fun. But anyhow, yeah, Goldberg, Bill Goldberg, Santa Slay. I'm excited. It's supposed to be shit, right? Like, I mean, that's un- the but impression I, I get. Much. But but hey, dude, I'm going to go in it with like. Some no of those, expectations. Some of those fun. shit, especially when it comes to slashers, have some that's pretty entertaining kills. That's what I'm saying. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not going to go in with any expectations. I'm just going to let it do what it's going to do. That's going to be a very Merry Christmas to us. It certainly will be. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out.
Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.